Welcome to What Magnificence with Chase Thornock, where we help high-achieving executives and entrepreneurs find answers to their most vexing health problems through the power of what if. Now, here's your host, Chase. Hey guys, what's good and what if? Welcome to What Magnificence. I'm your host, Chase Thornock. We have 12 months with all sorts of days. And then, you know, four years, we get leap year, and so we get an extra day. So surprising that we can keep track of the whole thing. But even interestingly enough, the whole calendar, I think, is only off by 11 seconds or like 20 seconds um, every year, which is part of what contributes to us having our leap years. But as I looked into it, this curious pattern started to emerge, right? And it was these these roots of words that I've seen my whole life that I just never even considered, right? So like the word sept, what does sept mean? Seven. What does oct mean? Eight. What does nov mean? Nine. And what does dec mean? Ten. So we obviously, you see where I'm going with this, right? But we have September, October, November, December, Right, but December's not our tenth month. December's our twelfth month, and November's not our ninth month. November's our eleventh month. So what happened? Well, if you rewind time, you can see that many of the calendars back a while ago actually had thirteen months instead of twelve. In addition to that, these calendars had twenty-eight days across 13 months. Now for those mathematicians out there, three, what is it? 365 days in a year. And you take 28 days times 13, you get 364. So fascinatingly, they would, go, they would observe this calendar and then you would have one day, right? Where when we're talking astronomically, if you're, if you're not familiar, it takes 365-ish days, rotations of the earth, for our planet to make one full revolution around the sun. That's a year. And so 365 days. So you have 13 months of 28 days, and then you have one day. And in certain cultures, this was called the null day or zero day. And then you start the calendar over again. And then going back to this idea of sept and oct and nov and dec, the calendars... The 13th, obviously, right? December wasn't, it wasn't the last month in the year. It was the 10th month in the year, which meant you have three other months, January, February, and March. Now, where this, this extra 13th month comes in is up for debate. Some people believe that it came in so that, so that March 1st was the beginning of the year. Others believe that it was April 1st that was the beginning of the year. But the point being that the start of the year was in the spring. The start of the calendar was in the spring. Duh. So here's the other what if. What if What if you're, you're not achieving some goals that you set because it's not matching up with your natural circadian rhythms? What in the world are we doing with New Year's resolutions? We are literally doing these in the doldrums of winter. The Romans, they had it right here because I think their calendar, they got to December and then they didn't even count the next three months. There was no names for them. And then they started the calendar again in March, right? It was just, it was just a buy, just a buy three month period that they skipped. 
Okay. And then they started up again in March. And when you think about it ag- as an agriculture society, it kind of makes sense. You're not, you know, winter time is winter time. You're not doing a whole lot. But your circadian rhythm follows that pattern as well. We talked about it last week. You're wanting to sleep longer. You're wanting to rest longer. You may be wanting to eat more or or have higher nutrition foods to prepare yourself for the winter months. So what if what if we've been going about this all wrong? What if instead of doing our New Year's resolutions January 1st of our Gregorian calendars, what if our New Year's resolutions were March 1st or April 1st? I think we'd have quite a bit more success at being able to accomplish some of those goals because our body's along for the ride now. It's almost like it's almost like going to bed and setting a goal to be wide awake at 2 a.m. for the next week. I mean, you can I mean, there's people out there right now, they're like, I get up at 4 a.m. And that's great, right? And it's taken some time to get there. And that actually may fit a circadian rhythm even better. But it's going to take time to shift the circadians, right? We talked last week about how robust and flexible they are. But the flexibility takes a little bit to get to, okay? And if you're not only dealing with this, gosh, it's so cool, right? Like, imagine your circadian rhythm not only has a rhythm based on the rotation of the planet but also based on its orientation in the universe to the sun, basically where it's positioned in its yearly cycle around the planet. Like, think about that. Like, you have an innate system inside of you that tracks astronomy. That's pretty incredible. And and we're fighting against it in a lot of ways. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in the doldrums of winter... And you set some New Year's resolutions that maybe you weren't able to accomplish. Take a step back. Write those things down and come back to them again in March or April when your body's on board. The other thing that we talked about last week that I want to follow up on, because there was a there was a news article in Barron's just released uh, the first week of February. And here's, <laughs> here's the title of it, okay? It says, ultra-processed foods such as soda, microwavable food, and salty snacks linked to an array of cancers, according to a study of 197,000 people. So a study of more than 197,000 UK adults aged 40 to 69 was published this month month in a peer-reviewed medical journal. The author said this is one of the biggest sample sizes ever used to research the effects on health of ultra-processed foods. If this is news to you, that's okay, because there's a time for everybody that this is news, all right? But... For heaven's sakes, this stuff is destroying us. This this should not be surprising. Whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, whether we're overweight, whether we're... Like, this stuff is killing us, okay? It's highly addictive and we... And, and highly numbing, right? When we talk about a dissociation thing, food is one of the strongest ones. We can get the hit immediately. There's a dopamine rush and we can disconnect from the uncomfortable stuff that we're dealing with. Stressed at work, grab the donut, right? We're upset with our spouse, go eat the chocolate to no gender in particular. But do you see what I'm saying? Like this food is killing us. Now, this ultra processed lingo is a new one. I, I've not been terribly aware. Most of us are aware of processed foods, but ultra processed. I want to find the origin of this phrase 
the food industry has these really interesting ways of manipulating some of this information, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if I came across this, right? That if they petitioned and said, hey, instead of processed food, let's let's kind of separate these things out into processed and highly processed foods because it adds an element of doubt in our minds. So we just stop thinking about it. It's like, oh, we read this and we're like, oh, ultra processed foods. I mean, that's got to be like the worst of the worst. That's like deep fried Oreos. It is, <laughs> but there's a but there's a lot of other stuff on this list, okay? So I went and looked up these definitions because I think it's helpful. So according to the Department of Agriculture, processed foods are any raw agricultural commodities that have been washed, cleaned, milled, cut, chopped, heated, pasteurized, blanched, cooked, canned, frozen, dried, dehydrated, mixed, or packaged. That... <sighs> That's a lot broader than I'd like, okay? But it, there's, there's, we've had this argument before. If you haven't listened to the Raw Milk uh, podcast episode, go back and listen to this, okay? Because pasteurizing food is a far different process than washing lettuce. And even when we wash the stuff, there's a ton of people dying from listeria. Okay, I won't get on the soapbox about raw milk, but go listen to it, okay? It's fascinating stuff. So processed food, I mean... Even if you're even if you're mainly eating produce, a lot of what we're eating is processed, okay? By that definition. That's not the stuff we're talking about here. Ultra-processed food is basically the inside of the grocery store, meaning like if you walk that outer loop of your grocery store, at least here in America, you're going to find most of the produce, dairy, you know, cuts of meat and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the stuff in the middle of the store, basically all the other aisles, <laughs> okay? Those things are ultra-processed food. I don't care if it has the stamp of the American Heart Association. As a matter of fact, if it has that stamp, it's probably processed. Go look at the tomatoes. You see any Heart Association stamp on those? Okay, what about the lettuce? You see that? Is there a stamp there? No, there's not. But those things are better for your heart than the stuff that's stamped. Okay, so now this comes out, right? Ultra-processed foods. I guarantee that in a few months, we're going to get another research article that says, hey, this stuff's not quite as bad for you as we thought it was. Or, and this one's good, right? Or if you eat certain things that are ultra-processed, you're actually going to see some benefits of doing that. Okay? We need to wake up. <laughs> this is just not right. If we cannot make a pharmaceutical that doesn't have nasty side effects... Okay, and huge lists of side effects. Go watch those commercials, okay? But if we get our hands involved in something and we can't make a pharmaceutical that doesn't have all those side effects, why do we think that the food that we take and we mess with won't have a whole list of side effects with it, including cancer and diabetes and heart disease, inflammatory diseases? It does. We mess things up. We're pretty good at it. And then we're pretty good at selling the solution. And then that solution has some side effects, so we sell another solution. If you want to set goals and stick with them, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your health, get in tune with the only thing on this planet that is qualified to tell you what you need. That's your body. Your body can tell you what it needs. Stop eating the stuff. If you want to control somebody, control what they eat. That's how Pavlov did it with his dogs. How do you think it's happening with you or with me? 
when we choose to eat these things. I don't know if you've ever gone through that experience where, you know, you've, you've, you've made one of those goals, for example, and it's starting in April now, right? We're starting these goals in April, but then you've changed the way that you've eaten and you've, you've, you've kind of rooted these ultra processed foods out and then you get a hold of something. There's a party or whatever, and you eat a Dorito. Have you ever done that? Woo. I mean, that thing just lights you up. It's hard to describe that experience. It is, it is a lot. Okay. And it's great. It's delicious. And, and food scientists have devised ways to make these things taste really good, really strong, and really quick so that the taste fades as quickly as possible, which means you're going to get another one and you're going to eat another one and you're going to eat another one. It's incredible. The millions and millions and billions of dollars that we've spent making food more desirable that way. But then you're just a conditioned dog in some ways. We've all, if you haven't had that opportunity to make that shift, you can. I know that you can. It's not easy. None of this stuff is easy, right? But when you learn to listen to your body, when you learn to feel the uncomfortable stuff, right? This is why we do breath and cold. When you do the cold work, it becomes an, an analogy for the discomfort that you feel in your body. And your body has a pathway to say, I can do this. I do uncomfortable things. It's not going to make it feel any better. As in some cases, it makes it feel worse because you're actually paying attention to it now. You're actually associating and not dissociating from it. But when you're able to do that, then you're able to allow those strong impulses in our bodies, right? I'm, I want to eat the thing. I want to eat the thing. Or I want to spend the money. Or whatever. Fill in the blank. And then it passes. And you move on. And you move up. So think about it. Take more control over your life, whether it's your calendar, the food that you eat, the things you put into your body, whether that's ingesting them or, or seeing them or watching them. Be mindful of how your brain is being programmed and conditioned and take control over that. Use that to your advantage instead of allowing others to use it to theirs. Until next week, my friends, be awesome. You're awesome. Be magnificent. We'll talk to you soon.